Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good Wednesday afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to the Believe in Louisville podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Logan Dotson, and I hope you're having a good week. Today, we'll be discussing a little bit of Cardinal baseball, doing some shout-outs to the field hockey team, and doing a short player profile on the one and only Dr. Duncan Stein, Daryl Griffith. Here we go. Alrighty, before we get started today, I did want to quickly remind you guys uh, that it would really help me out if you guys subscribe to the podcast, download this episode, and tell all your friends where they can find the latest in UofL sports action here on the Believe in Louisville podcast. Also, don't forget to give us a follow at Believe Lou, that is B-L-E-A-V-L-O-U on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. All the support that you guys give really helps us out and makes it possible for us to continue bringing you the show. Uh, Thank you guys so much. You're the best listeners in the entire world. Now, let's get back to the action. So UofL ended up having a very big week for baseball this past week. Like I said in last week's episode, we uh, were set to go against Georgia Tech last Thursday, and we did. The game, if you were watching it, was just a monster game. It lasted over five hours long. It was a 12-inning back and forth, and UofL just narrowly lost against Georgia Tech 9-8. to Now, with the loss, Louisville was eliminated from the ACC championship after all three teams, and Pool B finished with an identical 1-1 record, and the tiebreaker sent Georgia Tech into the semifinal round. The Cardinals will now await the 2021 NCAA Baseball Selection Show, Uh, to find out if they received an at-large berth into the NCAA tournament. So we'll keep our eyes open for that and keep you posted um, and to see how that goes. But sadly, that game against Georgia Tech was a loss, bringing our championship season, or hopes for a championship season to an end, rather. Now, I did also want to talk about uh, some field hockey stuff. Just do a few quick shout-outs. Six University of Louisville field hockey players uh, earned the 2020 National Field Hockey Coaches Association Division I All-West Region Honors. Oh, boy, is that a mouthful, as announced by the organization earlier today. Ali Bidding, Mercedes Pastor, and Megan Schneider were all selected to the first team, while Julie Kutzer, Amy Plum, and Charlie Van Orschott were named to the second team. This marks the third consecutive year that the Cardinals have placed at least six players into the all-region teams, and the fourth time in the last five years. So, I mean, great job to everyone over uh, on the Cardinals field hockey team. They have a great organization, fantastic players. Um, obviously a great coaching staff, and they had a phenomenal season this past year. I really don't feel like field hockey gets talked about much, but Louisville has one of the best, not only in the ACC, but in the nation. So uh, with all of that UofL news out of the way, there really wasn't much to talk about this week. Uh, Not much happened, so I decided this week that we would do another player profile. It's a lot of fun for me, so hopefully you guys enjoy it as well. Uh, This week, we are doing a player profile over Daryl Griffith. Now, you might be under the impression, considering that today's player profile is about another Louisville star who went on to play for the Utah Jazz, that Utah is my favorite NBA team. You'd be wrong. It's the Pacers. But the Utah Jazz certainly have an eye for great talent. In today's player profile, we'll be talking about shooting guard Daryl Dr. Duncan Stein Griffith, who played for UofL from 1976 until 1980. 
Now, unlike Donovan Mitchell, Griffith's basketball days are well behind him at this point, but he remains a dedicated Louisville citizen and still lives in the city today. In fact, he even plays a pretty big role at UofL, but I'm going to get into that later. Even though Griffith hasn't donned a UofL jersey as a student since 1980, he is still thought of as not only one of the best Louisville players to ever hit the court, but is widely regarded as one of the best and most talented college ball players of all time. Born in Louisville on June 16, 1958, Griffith was immediately the star of his high school basketball team when he played for Louisville Mail. Stats weren't available for his high school years, sadly, but it does seem like he was a truly remarkable player, even at this young age, as many colleges all across the country sought him out for recruiting and wanted him as the star guard of their ball team. Now, reportedly, he was even approached by the ABA's Kentucky Colonels to completely forego college entirely and start his professional basketball career right after high school, which just speaks to his amazing capabilities that he had on the court. Now, this is actually an interesting topic that I want to get into a little bit. Not many Louisville fans are aware of the Kentucky Colonels, but they were a very interesting, now-defunct basketball team from the years 1967 until 1976. In case you don't know, the American Basketball Association, or ABA, was just another basketball league, uh, just like the NBA, and was around for as long as the Colonels were, for about nine years from the mid-1960s until the mid-70s. In its time, the ABA had 11 teams, four of which merged into the NBA, the Indiana Pacers, uh, the San Antonio Spurs, the New York Nets, now the Brooklyn Nets, and the Denver Nuggets. The ABA ended up merging with the NBA in 1976, and the merger created the league that we all know and love today. However, still, uh, some of the attributes of the ABA made their way into the NBA, including the three-point shot, which the NBA did not have until the merger, and the very popular slam dunk contest, which the ABA started doing. Now, the ABA's Kentucky Colonels had a rich history. Uh, based in Louisville, they were one of two teams, the others being the Indiana Pacers, that never changed their name, relocated, or folded while the ABA was still around. The downtown Louisville Convention Center, which is now the Gardens, uh, was the Colonels' original venue for the first three seasons of them being an ABA team before moving to Freedom Hall for the remaining seasons, beginning with the 1970-71 schedule. Now, the Colonels actually won the most games and had the highest winning percentage of any other franchise in the ABA's short history, uh, but the team did not join the NBA in the 1976 merger like those other four teams that I just mentioned did. For some reason, they decided to do a buyout and folded. The Colonels also made it to the ABA Finals three times in the league's very short 11-season history, uh, so it just goes to show just how winning the Colonels were in their time. The Kentucky Colonels were such a big deal because they are the only major league franchise in Kentucky since the Louisville Breckenridges left the NFL way back in 1923. However, Griffith decided to decline the Colonels' offer, instead opting to further his education and go to the school of his hometown, the University of Louisville. This was probably the smartest decision for Griffith um, that he could have made as the Colonels folded the season after offering Griffith his spot, which would have left Griffith to be placed in a very uncertain cross-league draft with countless other ABA players, not to mention the lack of a college education. Griffith, though, was absolute dynamite from the start of his college basketball career with Louisville. Before Griffith's freshman year, dunking was not allowed in the NCAA. Players were only allowed to either lay in the ball or just drop the ball in with their hands directly over the rim but not touching it. Like I said, no dunking. However, this rule was lifted during Daryl's freshman year, meaning 
that Dr. Duncan Stein was born. Now, when asked about the origins of his famous nickname, Griffith recounted that it was given to him by a close friend who was a massive fan of the funk band Parliament Funkadelic in the 1970s. George Clinton, who was the leader of that group, was known as Dr. Funkenstein. Griffith adopted the nickname after slamming home several shots at the rim using grandiose and unique methods of the two-handed slam, earning him his nickname. The name caught on and even followed him into his professional career in the NBA and is a nickname that he still holds to this day. And it's really easy to see why Griffith is so well-loved among Louisville fans. His dunks are a true work of art. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and recommend this to you. After you finish listening to this episode, you should go right over to YouTube, look for some uh, some dunks from Daryl Griffith, especially in his collegiate days with Louisville. They're absolutely fantastic. They're stupendous. They're jaw-dropping. I can't give you enough superlatives to tell you how good of a dunker that Daryl Griffith was. He was the first to introduce the behind-the-head dunk in 1980, which he debuted at Madison Square Garden. Griffith's points per game steadily increased as his time with Louisville wore on, going from 12.8 points per game in his freshman year to 22.9 points per game by his senior year. His free throw percentage also skyrocketed during his time with Louisville as he upped his skill level. Now, these numbers would be great for any college ball player, uh, but they were particularly astounding in an era when a much slower, low-scoring brand of basketball was being played. In fact, Louisville fans owed Daryl Griffith a great debt of gratitude as Griffith helped bring Louisville its first NCAA championship home in 1980, defeating the nationally regarded UCLA team that year. Without Griffith's phenomenal scoring output, the championship would just have never been possible for Louisville. A few of his championship teammates recalled in an interview with ESPN that there were very many times that they would just stop and watch Griffith as he drove the ball into the paint, gliding past the opposing team's defense, and slamming home a massive dunk to punctuate a fantastic effort. And Griffith's numbers certainly hold up even to this day. He is still the reigning scorer at UofL, and by a long shot, despite basketball having taken a much more high-tempo, fast-paced, high-scoring type of feel uh, in recent years. Griffith's 825 points in the 1979-1980 to season are still unmatched today and is still the most scored in a single season by any Cardinal. He also has the most career points at Louisville with an astounding 2,333 points by the time that he went into the NBA. Additionally, he was also very good at picking his opponent's pockets while he was at UofL. Um, he comes in third place in UofL records for steals in a season and college career steals with 86 in the 1979 uh, to 1980 season and 230 uh, overall for his college career. In 1980, after finishing his year, uh, his final year with UofL, he decided to enter into the NBA draft. The Utah Jazz selected Griffith with the second overall pick in the 1980 NBA draft. And this was coming from a, a team who had recently moved to Salt Lake City from New Orleans, and the team needed a star to replace legendary shooting guard Pete Maravich. Griffith accepted the challenge happily, averaging 20.6 points per game in his first season and earning the NBA's Rookie of the Year award. For the next four seasons, Griffith teamed up with small forward Adrian Dantley to form one of the most high-scoring duos in the league, with defensive support from monster center Mark Eaton, who recently passed away, rest in peace Mark Eaton, and point guard Ricky Green. The Jazz improved dramatically, winning the Western or the Midwestern Division title in 1983 to the 1984 season and qualifying for the NBA playoffs for the first time ever. 
Individually, Griffith was also transforming his offensive game, adding long-distance shooting skills to his aerial acrobatics that led him to be known as Dr. Duncanstein. Now, this was back in the day when three-point shooting was relatively new to the NBA. Uh, It was very new, actually, and not a lot of people really were taking the shot, but Griffith did. He was not afraid of the three-point shot. In fact, he led the league in three-point shooting with a 36.1% three-point clip and set uh, an NBA record at the time for most three-pointers made in a single season with 91. His new abilities earned him a new nickname. Utah's play-by-play announcer Hot Rod Hundley began calling Daryl Griffith the Golden Griff, and it's easy to see why. The following season, which was the 1984-85 season, was the best of Griffith's career with the Utah Jazz. He averaged a career high of 22.6 points per game and broke his own league record by sinking 92 three-point shots that season. During this particular season as well, he passed Joe Hassett as the all-time NBA leader for most career three-pointers. He continued his high-flying ways representing the Jazz in the 1984 and 1985 NBA Slam Dunk Contests as well. However, the team started to dramatically change in the 1980s once Carl Malone and John Stockton joined the team and became Utah's top offensive weapons. Dantley was traded away, and Griffith suffered from injuries. Um, He said famously during this time that Dr. Duncanstein was paying his toll. In fact, he had to sit out for the entire 1985 to 1986 season due to a stress fracture in his foot and would lose his starting position when he returned. Griffith would need an operation on his left knee in March of 1988, causing him to miss the remainder of that season as well. He did manage to reclaim his starting spot for most of the 1988 to 1989 season, but lost it permanently the following year. His playing time gradually decreased until his retirement in 1991, as did his production. His, his points per game, free throws, everything started to go down a bit. He scored a total of 12,391 points over the course of his 10-year professional career, all of which were with the Utah Jazz. A very loyal guy, stayed with Louisville all four years of college, and was a franchise player for the Jazz. The Jazz franchise recognized his contributions by retiring his jersey number of 35 on December 4th, 1993. These days, Griffith is now a special assistant to the president of the University of Louisville. However, in November, Griffith will be taking on a new role as ambassador for the University of Louisville. In this role, Griffith will work closely with UofL president Neely Bendapudi to increase the profile of the university and expand relationships in support of the university's strategic plans, as well as advancing the school's cardinal anti-racism agenda. Very good stuff, and it's good to see that Griffith is still not only active in the Louisville community, but active at the University of Louisville. Now that is all that we have for you this week on Believe in Louisville. Um, I want to thank you again for tuning in and listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, download this episode, and follow us on social media. Uh, We'll be looking to answer some mailbag questions soon, so get those sent in if you have any. I hope you've enjoyed our player profile on Daryl Griffith. I certainly had a great deal of fun researching for this week's episode. I hope that you all have a great rest of the week. We will see you next week when an all-new episode of Believe in Louisville comes out on Wednesday. Until then, stay safe and, as always, go Cards.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.